We, uh, you can go ahead and find a seat. Thank you so much. But we, uh, we, if you are new with us, we just got back from sabbatical. And 10 weeks, if you did not know it, it's a long time. It is a long time. And we had an amazing time. We got to go to some family things, to Alabama. We went to Israel as a couple for three weeks, and that was amazing. Uh, then we got to go out west in Banff National Park in Canada and several places. It was terrific. And you'll hear more about that, all of that as we go uh, through the weeks. Uh, but we just want to say we are so, so happy to be back. I would say about four weeks in, we were like, which we knew was the case before, but we're like 10 weeks is a long time to not see your family, your friends, or what our church is. That's what it is. It's like, oh, my goodness, we need our people. So we, we've stuck with the plan, but we are so thankful we are back. And I just wanted Pastor Rachel just to share just a her, maybe quick highlight for her. I'll talk a little bit as we get into the word, uh, but maybe what God spoke and what was the highlight of our 10 weeks. Yeah, I think it was funny because being in Israel, like, and it was really awesome being in this land, you know, where we read about so much in the Bible. And so it's really interesting now reading through the Old Testament and reading things that I'm like, oh, I remember hearing about that or being there or seeing that. So that's cool. But, like, talking about how by the time we were done with those first four weeks, we're like, man, we're ready to go back. I think part of that was also being in another country because however awesome Israel was, still another country. And, like, none of the food is the same and your bed's not the same and, like, Honestly, it was really, really long. So three weeks is a long time in Israel, probably anywhere overseas, but amazing. So you'll hear more about that as we, um, as we talk over the next couple of months. But the biggest takeaway for me was whether I was in Alabama or Israel or in Canada, and especially then when we were in uh, the Teton National Park, was just being able to see, the like we're talking about the glory of God, like seeing God everywhere. Like the beauty of our world. <laughs> like if you haven't traveled outside of Ohio, you need to because there is so much. Pictures don't do it justice. And there's this one day I remember specifically we had um, the new Elevation worship album was playing in the car and we're driving along and when you're in the Teton Mountains, like you're just driving and you see these huge mountains everywhere. And so the sun is shining on the mountains, and you've got this, like, meadow area with these yellow flowers, and then you have the pine trees behind that, and then these magnificent mountains that you're driving through. And this song <laughs> in this album is called Good to Me. And the line is just singing, you're so good to me. God, I can't believe how good you've been and how good you've been. And it's singing that over and over and over. And I at that point, like, tears are just flowing. Like, we're driving through the car on our way to our hotel, and I'm just crying in the car because it is so true, the goodness and the faithfulness of God in our lives. Like, if I took nothing away, it was that reminder that no matter where I'm at, no matter what we're seeing, what we're going through, the good, the bad, the, like, most beautiful places or the places that are hard, God is so good. And if we just will look, we can see him everywhere because he is everywhere. And in Israel, there's a whole bunch of people who still believe that they have to do certain things and they have to be certain places and go certain places and have certain people do things for them in order to see God and to hear from God and to be with God. And we have the privilege of knowing that, no, God is with us. He lives in us. He's with us everywhere we are. And we don't have to go to a wall to pray, and we don't have to have somebody else pray for us. We get to encounter God every day if we're just willing to ask him. 
And so he is everywhere. And Pastor Dave talking about filling up the cup. If we're willing, if we come open, then he is there to meet us. And so it's amazing. I hope you all get an opportunity to do something like that at some point in your life, to go travel somewhere or to see something that you've dreamt about. Because the pictures, I mean, it was picture perfect. And it was exactly what you'd see in a picture, only greater. And so I pray that you have that opportunity. Thank you for letting us do that for us, for our family. Like, we love you guys so much. And we're so glad to be back with you. Absolutely. And as she said, we will continue to, uh, you'll hear more and more as we go. To follow up with that, it was an interesting thing to me that when we went to Israel, you are in the land of Jesus. You're in the land of the disciples. The Old Testament, so much of it happened. We literally, and like size-wise, Israel's small. It's smaller than Ohio. It's a, a very small place. So you can drive from bottom to top in a, a few hours. You can drive side to side, east to west, really, really short amount of time. So we got to see just about every significant place there is. I know there's other things, but the, the ones that would be more known in the 18 days that we were on the ground in Israel. It was tremendous. And I don't know about anybody else, but when I think of Israel, I'm like, we're going to be where Jesus is. In fact, on the south steps of the Temple Mount, going in, there is a one specific location where the gate is, and underneath that gate is not rock, or it's not stone, or it's not slab they brought in. It is the mountain that is what you walk on. So you walk on that piece of rock, and they're like, of all the places in Israel, it is as close to 100%. Jesus stood right here. Because this is where they entered. This is what would have happened. This is why. This is how they entered uh, the temple. It was like, that's really cool. We were in places where they say this is where Jesus' body was. This is Golgotha. This is where he died. All of these locations. And you know what I realized, which I probably thought would be the case, but I'll tell you what, at the, the tomb of Jesus, it is a tourist trap that the church has messed up. If you can believe that, the church doesn't always get it right. And there's multiple churches that are a part of this and they can't move things because they've got this delicate uh, situation of how they have unity together, including, Pastor Dave, I think you've been there, you've seen it. There is a ladder on the second story of the, of the place where Jesus' body was buried, they believe, in high probability. The ladder's been there since the 50s because that's when the, the deal was made of how it was all going to get broke out. The ladder was there. So now if it gets blown down, then someone goes and puts the ladder back. Because it's this religious mess. And I went into these places. And instead of being like, this is awesome. Now it was awesome. Don't get me wrong. But my spirit was grieved because of what we have done to places to make it more of like some shrine thing. Rather than a place of what I think it should be. A place of prayer and a place of not gold and fancy and all this crazy stuff, but to come and to remember and to believe and then be sent out to do something about the experience that we just had. And all through Israel, there were moments and places. This is probably where Jesus this. This is probably where the disciples this. And besides the south steps of the Temple Mount, besides the Jordan River, that was super, super cool. Some different things. Most of the time I was like, Lord, we and even those, we don't need to be in Israel to experience your glory. We don't need to be anywhere to experience you except for right where we are. Because you're with us. 
And to me, it was a a huge blessing to be in a spot and be like, okay, I'm not sure what emotions and what feelings I'm supposed to have, but the emotions, every spot and everything was, I want to get back to my life. I want to get back to serving at, at my church. I want to get back to doing what God has called me to do because wherever I am in the world, your glory is going to move if I simply ask, if I simply let you. Because church, I want you to know God's not there like making you jump through 50 hoops to do it. He's just waiting for you to ask him to show up. He's waiting for you to spend time with him. He's waiting for you to get in his presence. And this morning, I just want to jump in. We're going to kind of dive right into Exodus 33 just a little bit all throughout the word we're going to be looking today. Really talking about, looking at, and this thought of going for more. I want more of Jesus. That's it. Everything else I'll leave, but I want more of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about maybe three thoughts, of his presence, the anointing, and his glory. And maybe today as we start, there's people that you'd say, man, I want the presence of God. That would be awesome. Maybe you're here and you're like, my life's pretty good. I like it. I might even come to church. You're here on July 2nd, so you probably come to church pretty regularly with family. You're like, yeah, you know, that's good. Or maybe you're like, I need, I have to, I live off the presence of God. And my prayer today is that each one of us would put ourselves in a place where, Lord, I don't care where I am or what I'm doing. And let me throw out, that means maybe the position of your life or the spot of your life. There's enough people in the room, in fact, every one of us, there's been easy seasons, most likely in your life, and there's been difficult seasons in your life. And you know that the presence of God isn't withheld from you. And diff- No, he's with you. He walks with you. But do we let him? It's not about the position or the place of our life or the feeling that I have or what's going on. Do we truly want the presence of God and then go for more? Texas 33, 18, I read it. Moses said, please show me your glory. And to experience a moment of his glory, it doesn't just happen generally, although sometimes God is so gracious and he just does his thing. But on a consistent basis, there's a progression to the point where we say, I experience your glory. And right before this in Exodus chapter 33, there's a lot of talk about his presence. If your presence does not go with us, we will not go. If your presence doesn't lead, I'm not going to lead this people. No chance, right? If your presence doesn't go... And The thought of what would happen if we as his church started saying, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me to work today, you're going to have to figure out how to supply because I'm not going to work if you're not coming with me. You know what? Family gatherings, July 4th, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I'm not going to the family gathering. I, I need your presence in my life. Lord, if you don't go with me to get gas at the gas station, I don't want to go. I'm fine. I just won't drive. Because what I need your presence in my life. What happened if we got serious to say, Lord, whether it's leading millions of people or whether it's the small things in my life, I need your presence. And if you're not with me, if you're not going to be there, I'm out. And if that means I change my habits or my behaviors or my direction, Lord, that's what I want. Because if you're not going to be with me, I'm out. We need his presence. We think about this, the presence of God is really seeing his face. The presence of God is, is spending moments with Jesus and, and being there with him. We see this all throughout the word of God. But this, this word for presence uh, is a word that it is a plural, perhaps indicative of the fact that the face is a combination of a number of features. The face identifies the person and reflects the attitude and sentiments of that person. It reflects who they are. 
And to be in his presence means sitting with Jesus and understanding him and experiencing him and know what his attitudes are, know what he wants, what he desires, knows his love for you in a way you cannot if you just say, well, I'm going to go to church once a week or every other week and we're just going to let it be. No, that's not experiencing the presence of God. Just like here today. You have someone you love, a family member, a friend, maybe someone at church. You just want to get to church so you can just see them, right? You can see their face. I'll tell you what, not in a weird way, but this morning, I'm like, man, I am so excited to see a whole bunch of people. I just want to look at some folks in the room and say, ah, I love being here. I love our church family. But how much more with the God of the universe that he lets us, invites us in to see him, to experience him, to Experience the reflection of our God, his face, the sentiments of who he is and what he desires, this presence we need in our lives. And may I didn't add this in here, it's right here. How do we experience the number one way, the presence of God to see him? The word of God must be your life. The word of God must, because this is a reflection of who he is. And as we study and we grow and we understand, all of a sudden I begin to see God in the word. I begin to see his plan for me. I begin to see what I need to understand from him. I begin to see and understand that what Jesus did for me means that all the stuff I've done and what's been done to me there's grace that goes beyond what we can do in ourselves, and he heals and restores and he forgives he makes it new in our life that's what the word of God does and I'll tell you what if you didn't know it this is a Pentecostal church and we believe the Holy Spirit is still kicking the Holy Spirit is strong and alive and well as a part of our Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus went and he left the Holy Spirit for us, our comforter. And he invites us to experience and walk in him on a daily basis. So then when I say, I read your word, but now I don't necessarily understand it. And I begin to pray, Holy Spirit, would you lead and would you guide? Holy Spirit, would you put the people in my life to help me where I don't understand, to help me overcome what I can't do on my own, that the word of God leads us and guides us and shows us and shows us what to do. If you want to be a better parent in the house today, you can read parenting books. Go for it. They're great. And then if you read a different one, it'll be opposite of that one. If you had, you know, then opposite, like, I, I don't even know. When you get the word of God in you and your heart and your mind, you are transformed, then you can be a better parent. That's what it takes is the power of God. Then maybe read a parenting book. Maybe sometimes that's a good thing. But if we don't have the word, the change, the reflection of Jesus, his presence, I can read all the parenting books I want. We were, this just popped in my head. We were at Kalahari for a pastor's retreat and there was a unschooled convention. And if you've never heard of unschooled, I had never heard of it till being at a retreat at Kalahari and there were hundreds and hundreds of families that they believed in unschooling, which is basically you don't tell your children what to do ever. I'd like to say, that is not my method of parenting. Just real clear, not it. I have never seen more chaos and crazy in all my life. I've never seen more kids running around doing whatever they want with parents like, oh, they're going to figure it out. I'm like, no, they won't. No, they won't. Not without a miracle of Jesus, because you have to parent, right? We learn, and we learn what's good and bad. The unschooled, don't go buy the book. Please, don't go buy the book. That's crazy talk. But when we let God lead us, he's going to lead us into what we should do and who we should be. In fact, 
There's some direct things in here that you can learn in parenting. And it's every area of your life, reflection of Jesus, seeing his face, leads us to a place of just walking with him. Then when our attitudes are better, it's better. And I'll tell you what, every day, I'm like, Lord, help me. If you are human, I think we're all human in the room. Uh, man, is it tough sometimes just to do what you know you should do? Is it tough sometimes just to keep your attitude where it should be? Is it tough? Right, I need the presence of God. I need the face of God. Now more than ever, Lord, guide, direct, and be with me. And that's what we need. When I think of the presence of God, I think there's a couple of responses. We could go way more in depth, but today, there's two we're going to look at. I think people all throughout the word of God did one of these two. In Genesis 3, 8, Adam and Eve, it says, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Adam and Eve, with direct communication, direct communion with God, knowing what to do because they were told directly what to do. And I'll tell you what, that's always my prayer. I don't like gray stuff. Just give me black and white. I know right or wrong. It's easy, right? This was not a, well, I don't know. He left, no, he said, don't eat of this tree. And it wasn't necessarily an apple. It was some sort of a fruit, right? We like to think of an apple. Don't eat whatever fruit that is. And they did. And what did they do when they started doing their own thing? They were cut off from what God had, his perfect plan. And they hid from the God that just before they communed and walked with in the garden. They hid from God. And when we put ourselves in a place of we, we have been or we want kind of, but then we do our own thing and we say, no, now I'm going to hide from God. All of a sudden, we're not experiencing him. We're not walking in him. The reflection of what we see of God and how we live goes away from the word of God. And my life begins to be a struggle because God's not in it because I'm not allowing him to be there anymore. Cain, just the next chapter in Genesis 4, went away or out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod. He left because of his actions that then he walked away from what God had because instead of following God's plan, he did his own thing. Instead of the direct communication with God, instead of spending time with God. Church hiding is an option. Not a good one, but it's an option. And the other is pursuing God. The next chapter in Genesis chapter 5, Enoch walked with God and he was not. Now, we're going to stop there for a second. He walked with God and he was not. We stop there. That's interesting. I'm not real sure. This dude, he communed with God. This dude fellowship with God. He, he walked with God, as it says, in a personal and intimate way. And when God said, hey, your time on earth is done, literally he Beamed him up, Scotty, and he did not die because he was gone. He was taken to heaven. I, I don't know about anybody else, but I think that would be a pretty sweet thing to do. Like, Lord, we're communing. I don't know if he's ever going to do that again. I don't know if God's going to just take somebody up. I don't know how that would be for family either. That might be a little weird. It's like, well, bye, Rachel. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I want to be in a place where I'm communing with God and walking with God that when it's time... I don't even need to die. God might just take me out. It's not some passive thing. No, he spent time with the God of the universe in a way that when he died, he didn't die because he was taken up. We must seek first the kingdom of God in Matthew 6, 33. In Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the God of the universe that created us. 
And church, when we give our life to pursuing the presence of God, the word of God, the power of God, everything changes. And when things are difficult, we get to see and say, God is so good. He's got you. He's got you because he didn't leave. He hasn't abandoned you. No, he's walking with you. When we see him, we sit with him, we see his face, everything changes. And I want some people here to know before we look at the anointing or the glory or the, the, where we're going to go, that God wants you in his presence. He desires you. And I believe so often we're like, God, he doesn't want me. I'm not good enough. I don't have anything to offer. You know what you have to offer, just like me and every person in this room. It's our attention, our face, that we can look at him and we can say, God, I want you. And as we look at him, all of a sudden he brings purpose and life and he shows, you know what? There's different people with different talents and different beauty or different whatever. But when you sit in the presence of God, you don't care what somebody else has because you get the reflection of God in your life. And you say, what he's given me is enough to accomplish what he's called me to do. When we're in his presence, everything begins to line up. And we no longer have to worry about what they do and how great they are because I get to see the reflection of my creator who made me, who created me in his image. And I no longer have to worry. He's good. The reflection of the mighty God comes out and I see him. His presence went with his people all throughout the Old Testament. Then Jesus came. He gave his life for us. He gave everything for us, but then sent Holy Spirit to us to comfort us, to walk with us. He desires you. He wants you. If he could ask him one thing today, I think that's what he's asking. Just come, be in my presence. Come, spend time with me. Come, let me be everything in your life and watch the results. Think of the presence. But you know what? I think even today, there's another step beyond can I, I don't know if I can say only. Pastor Dave, can I say only his presence? That doesn't sound like a, a very good thing. There's another level though, that when we look at him, there's also this anointing element that goes beyond sitting and being with. Right, Rachel and I, I would say, I hope she would agree. I'm 100% confident she would. We have an amazing relationship. We talk about things. We discuss we, if we have things we disagree on, which is actually very rare somehow, so that, that's nice. But then we talk through them and you get to the other side, right? We can talk, we can look, we can be in each other's presence and just enjoy being in each other's presence. Pray, that's like, that's pretty awesome. I love it. I'm thankful for it. But do you know that being in each other's presence is not all we do? It would probably be weird. No, it would be weird if we just sat and stared at each other's face all day long, every day. Like if that's what Sunday morning was, you came in and we're just staring at each other's face. We've got presence going on this morning. I don't think our marriage would stay healthy for long, right? That's not enough. And in our life, sometimes I think we say, if I can just get in the presence of Jesus every once in a while, come on, I'm good. We just got out of a camp week. Oh man, camp is amazing. We love camp. Our students were there two weeks ago. And God showed up, God moved. Pastor Nate's here, I think over 1,500 students that were at camp the last three weeks. He's been at camp three weeks in a row and he's at church on Sunday morning. Come on, you're the man. Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. But God moved, he showed up. But even in camp, we do not want to go and have good worship times and just experience presence of Jesus and then leave. 
Because if that's what we get, that's good. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like the presence of Jesus. But then we believe that there's another aspect of that. Then what do you do with that? What does that look like? And in our marriage, then there is the part of not talking and looking at each other with googly eyes, but instead putting into action what our love for each other is. And when we walk in his presence, there's something that happens when all of a sudden we say, I see your face. I know you. I experience you. I see this reflection. But now he says, receive from my hand. And that's an anointing where he then pours something out on us that we can use, that we can hold, that we can act upon. An anointing when you, maybe you've been in a church world and you're like, man, I want one of these three people to pray for me because they just have some anointing. What is it? God chooses to use those people in a way where something happens, seems like more often than not. There, there's this thing and, and God uses all of us and he, he works through all of us. But sometimes there's someone that just walks not only in this presence, but they walk in this anointing. And God reveals and extends his hand and uses in even an extra special way. This word anoint, meaning to smear, rub, anoint. And you know, Christ is the anointed one and he is smeared with authority. He has all of it. He won it all for us. And then he called us to walk and even do greater things than him. When I get to heaven, I want to be like, did you mean like greater things or did you mean, you know, something else? Because to me, that seems crazy. The God of the universe is telling you, you can put your name in there. You do greater things. You do greater things. You do greater things. Well, he only raised the dead, cast out demons, healed the sick. He did all the stuff, right? Like, come on, somebody. I'm all for all of those things. It's what he told me to do. So I'm like, Lord, I want your presence, but I want your anointing, that next level of your presence. I'm gonna walk in you and then I'm gonna believe you've got an open hand to me and you're giving what we need. You know what? Sometimes to say, oh man, I just want a good moment. I want presence. I want Jesus. I think, I don't know, if you're a follower of Jesus here, I would assume we all are like, come on, let's sign up for that. But when we start to now believe, Lord, I don't only think that that awesome presence is it, but Lord, now I want what you have and I want that to flow through me. So when I go to work and I go to the gas station and I go wherever it is that God would take me, I'm like, Lord, your presence has to go or I don't want to go. And Lord, your open hand, I want it with me. I want your anointing with me, that if you will give me an opening. In fact, Lord, what if our faith would go where we don't like, eh, if you do something, I'll answer, I guess. What happens if we just go look for folks? We look for people that need God. We begin to make those opportunities. And he says, I've anointed you. You've been in my presence. So start praying for somebody. Don't wait for the clouds and the, you know, the, it all to part. And this is the person. No, just go up. Hey, how you doing? Can I pray with you? What would happen if we believe we're in his presence and now his anointing? Mm, it's good. It's powerful. And we're going to pray and we're going to believe. And you know what? Sometimes I think people say, well, but I haven't seen a miracle. Well, how many times have we done it? How many times have we stepped out? And let me throw this out there. What happens if you just keep praying? You keep believing. You keep being his word. You keep taking a step. You keep asking the Lord with them present. Lord, heal this knee. Lord, heal this back in public at your work. You do it. I guarantee you. I don't know if I'm allowed to guarantee, but I think the Bible makes it. I guarantee God will use you in ways, but he can't use you. If you're like, Lord, if you just make it happen first, like 
you know, if I, I'm guaranteed it's going to work, whatever work means, but things we would say, no, I don't need that. I'm going to walk in your presence. Your anointing is upon my life. And therefore, Lord, I'm going to start praying for more. I'm going to start believing for more. I'm going to start asking for more. When we were in Israel, uh, Zach, one of the guys that was on our trip, he had shared some struggles that he was having. And if you, have you ever known somebody or you've met somebody and you are told, like they tell you your struggles and you're shocked. Like, no way. There's no way this guy struggles with those things. This is that guy. And we went to the Jordan River and uh, they, they give an opportunity to be baptized. And so a lot of people get baptized like a second time. Not that that's really a part of what our religious tradition would be, but you're at the Jordan River. Jesus was baptized right here. It's like, come on. So a bunch of people, they get rebaptized. This guy's like, no, I'm not going to be baptized here. Uh, he actually is like, I want to wait for my wife. But some things that we're praying, I just felt really strongly. I was like, everyone had done it. We were done. And I went up to him and said, hey, I just feel the Lord saying that the stuff that you shared, I think it was a night, two nights before, whatever it was, that there's something about this moment of faith. And I'm not even for necessarily being baptized twice. I mean, I, I don't care one way or another, but I just feel in your heart that if you will take this step today as a faith step of saying these things that I've been struggling with are gonna die in this water. You've already given your life to Jesus. You've already told everybody. You're gonna, I mean, you're a follower. You love Jesus, there's no doubt. But this is gonna be, and you know what? Sometimes when you start to just listen to the Lord, then this special moment happened. And we've been gone. I haven't got to follow up with him yet here recently, but we're going to. And I believe that God has healed some of those things in his life. But it doesn't happen if someone isn't willing to say, Lord, we've been with you. But now what you give openly, we're going to pour out. We're going to look for the opportunity. And I think oftentimes we want the anointing. We want the miraculous. We want the healing of God. We want Luke 4, 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he sent me. We want Luke 10, 19, behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. We want those things. I think all of us, like if we could sign up, we want those things. But oftentimes we want to skip looking at the face of Jesus. We want to skip sitting in his presence. We want to skip knowing him. So we try to do things for him, but we don't even know who he is. He isn't giving us these gifts because we aren't even listening for him. We're not even looking at the right place. But when we spend time with him and we don't get the cart before the horse, but instead we say, Lord, I just want your presence in my life. I need to see your face. I want to know you. I'm not gonna go anywhere without you. That then all of a sudden we begin to step out in faith because his presence leads to an anointing, leads to a boldness. And we start to say, never done this before, but I think God wants to heal you. And we start to pray, we start to believe, we start to see it. But if we just want the miracle, but we're not willing to actually spend time with Jesus, I don't know. In a relationship, you can be a really good servant. But if you don't communicate and you don't share and you have no desire to be with the person that you love, it's not going to go well. You might have a clean house. You might have a clean yard. It might look really good. It might have a whole lot of cool stuff. But there's no relationship in just doing stuff. No, we need to sit with Jesus. We need to be in his presence. And then we need to let him show up in power. The anointing of God. His, his anointing brings healing. 
and deliverance and refreshing and restoration and salvation. We could go on and on. His, his anointing, it brings these things in our life. So Lord, help me be in your presence. And I don't even desire in a weird way that stuff. I just want to know you, Jesus. And when I know you, you pour yourself out and I no longer want any of that stuff. I don't want the destruction of, of, of needing and of all of those things. Healing comes because I've been with Jesus. Restoration comes because I hate that stuff in my life. I don't want that sin anymore. Salvation comes because I just know I need the God of the universe more than anything else. And whatever that looks like or whatever the changes or even my pride, I don't care about my pride anymore because I've been with Jesus and I've seen his face and now I want more. I want more. As we head towards home this morning, the presence, the anointing, it leads to what I'm believing that Radiant Life Church is going to step into. And on a freedom day, thinking of July 4th, thinking of who he is, I want the glory to show up in this church. And what does that mean? That glory, uh, the, the manifest presence of God. I want the manifest presence of God to show up in a way. What's that mean? Where people see the presence of God. Where people experience the presence of God in a way that's bigger than me or you. It's, a, it's a, at Mount Sinai, Moses, and the, the whole thing is lit up with fire. It's, it's a, a temple and there's a, a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire by day and night. I'm not sure that we're going to have a pillar of flower, uh, fire above our church at night. And you know, that's not actually what I want. I don't care. I mean, if, if God wants to do it, that would probably draw somebody. I don't know. That'd be pretty neat. So I guess that would be fine. We'll take it. But what I want is when we come together and wherever we go then individually, that people say, what is right with you? What is going on with you? That the glory of God follows us. And where we were today or last month, we don't look like that next month. And where we were today, the aura of walking into the room, it's different because it's not us and our past and our wounds and our hurts that are so real and vivid to us, but it's the glory of God. It's the manifest presence of God being revealed and being poured out. And church, if I'm taking one thing from our time, they started, it's not about location not about being at the tomb of Jesus or where they believe Golgotha, uh, where Jesus died. It's not about being in the Jordan River, which was awesome. It's not about being on the south steps of the Temple Mount, where basically all the scholars in Israel believe is where the Holy Spirit was poured out, a little different than maybe our tradition uh, would, would be uh, generally, but how you read the word and the Jewish people. That was awesome. In fact, I'm going to be talking about that. Tomorrow morning, I get to speak at camp and I can't wait. I am pumped, 10 o'clock, y'all should all come, just skip work, you don't need to do that stuff. Come to camp, it's gonna be amazing. But it's not about location, none of those locations. It's about are we willing to sit with Jesus? Are we willing to look in his face and see the reflection of our God? It's about are we willing to do that where he builds us up and we've seen him, we've been with him and now it is just an overflow of our life that the open hand of God in our life, the anointing of God in our life pours through us. And maybe today you say, first, I need him to pour through me. I need healing, I need wholeness. Maybe you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship. Today is the day. We must know our King, we must walk with him. Then we must walk in that anointing. If we wanna see God do 
what I believe he can do here in Dublin, Ohio and the church around the world. We have to get back to the glory of God going with us. And that's because we spend our time with Jesus. The word of God coming real, being passionate about who he is. He'll do the miracle in your life. He'll walk with you through the storm that you don't understand why you have to walk through. He'll be with you when it's good and when it seems you don't even have a word for it on the other side. He's with you and when you see him, you know I can trust him. I can trust him. If I hear the C word, cancer, no one wants that. No one wants to walk that. And we believe more often than not, let's pray and let's see God just heal that thing. But sometimes he doesn't do it. I'm going to pray and believe every single time. But when he doesn't, Lord, you're with me and I see your face walking through the trial. When something happens, I'm good because I'm walking with Jesus. And I may hurt and I may grieve, but then I get to get on the other side because God, I see you and I know you and you've never left me. You've never forsaken me. Even when I don't understand, Lord, I know your face and now I walk in you. What happens when the people around you see God in your life in the time when you should want to go the other direction or when you should be mad? You, Lord, I'm going to stand in you. I'm going to walk in you. Church, our God is so good. His glory is so good. Just being with him is so good. And this morning, I want to ask that if you are here, and in fact, if we could just stand all over the room this morning, we're going to respond. Uh, I, think, I think what they sent out said we're going till 1130. So we'll at least go till 1130. But we're going to respond to the goodness of God. We're going to respond to him this morning and ask him. What I'm going to ask you to do is, I don't know if this is bold or not, but if you just say, I'm a follower of Jesus in the house, I'm going to ask you to come and find a place at the front to stand. We're going to worship together. We're going to go after Jesus. So I'm expecting like 90% of you. So you can start making your way. Just start walking this way. We're gonna come to the altar as a, a sign of saying, Lord, I need more. I want more. I have to have your presence. And I'm not gonna stay in the norm, but I'm gonna step out into who you are. And church, he wants to pour his spirit out. So whatever you're going through this morning, whatever's happening in your life, let him this morning come and wrap you in his arms. Let him this morning come and just move in you in a way where you get to walk and say, oh God, you are so good, your presence. In a way we say, no, I'm not even stopping there because I know you. And Lord, your anointing is doing, your anointing is breaking the yoke, your anointing is setting me free, your anointing, your anointing is what I have to have. And collectively his glory is gonna pour out. So Lord, right now, we ask you, Jesus, that as we worship, as we pray, Lord God, that you would pour your spirit out in this place that you would fill us up to overflowing, that you would fill us up, God, and not a little cup, not a little solo cup, but God, the big thing, we want filled with you, Holy Spirit. So Lord, today we offer you every part of who we are. We need you. We need you, God. Do your work. Do your work, God. Lord, as we sing, Lord, I pray we don't only sing, but Lord, we are in a place of prayer. Move, your Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit. Move, Holy Spirit, this morning. Lord, as we jump in, Lord, I pray that nobody in this room would be able to, to just feel there's something. There's a, a barrier. There's a note today. There's freedom in the house of God. Just like we are in a country that is free, Lord, there's freedom. 
way more, way more in your spirit than what we could experience in our country. Lord, you are good. You are good. So bring freedom, bring wholeness, the healing, that the miraculous, that everything you want to do today, the anointing would be poured forth as you open your hand to your people. So Lord, we worship you. We thank you. And we ask you that while we praise, while we worship, you would do what only you can do. Let us see your face today. As Moses said, Lord Jesus, please show us your glory.